Welcome to the Remove the Guesswork podcast. Hello, welcome back to the Remove the Guesswork podcast. I'm Leanne Spencer, your host. Um, if you're new to the show, welcome. Um, I hope you enjoy this episode and you dig around in Apple Podcasts at some of our previous episodes and get familiar with what we do. And if you're a returning listener, thank you. Welcome back. Um, my guest this week is James Wilson. He's a sleep behavioural expert, uh, a sleep product expert and a sleep environment expert as well. And I really enjoyed recording this episode. I've, I've literally just finished and said goodbye to James. And, um, sleep is, is so important. It's one of our six signals, as you'll know if you're uh, familiar with us. So we look at sleep, mental health, energy, body composition, digestion and fitness and what we call our six signals approach. And I believe that sleep is the force multiplier. So what I mean by that is we look at sleep first when engaging with somebody because I can't talk to you about your energy or your mental clarity or your mental health or your body composition or anything if you're not getting the right amount and the right quality, more importantly, of sleep. So I'm hoping you're going to really enjoy this episode. I certainly did. Um, James and I talk about why we sleep, um, how we break down sleep a little bit into REM sleep, deep sleep, light sleep. We talk about the importance of REM and deep sleep and how what can happen if you get too much or too little of that. Uh, we also talk about the influence of alcohol and eating late and exercising late on uh, not only sleep, but how that then knocks on to weight management. And we talk a bit about the, the links between Alzheimer's and sleep as well. And then James wraps up with his best practices for sleep. So things like temperature, environment, but more importantly than all of that, your mental state. So how you go to bed, are you parasympathetic dominant? In other words, rested and relaxed, or are you still stressed or anxious about something? Because that is probably the most important thing for sleep. It's, it's the mental state that you're in when you get yourself ready and, and expect sleep to come. So everything that we talk about is in the show notes. Um, there is so much information in this podcast. I think you're gonna really enjoy it. As ever, um, if you've got questions, drop me an email at leanne, L-E-A-N-N-E, at bodyshotperformance.com. Um, alternatively, jump on our website if you want more information on anything, and enjoy this show. James Wilson, welcome to the show. Good, good, good afternoon. Good afternoon, yes, indeed. Um, let's get straight in, because we've got so much to talk about. I mean, sleep is one of my favourite topics. It's clearly one of yours. You're the expert. In fact, your nickname is the Sleep Geek. So how did you get into sleep? What is your background as a profession, so, obviously? So my, yeah, my background is that my, um, I, there, was a, there was a paradox at the heart of my being in that um, I was a poor sleeper. You know, genetically, I'm a poor sleeper. My mum was a poor sleeper. My grandpa was a poor sleeper. Um, in my, until my mid-20s, I had very little sleep. Particularly my teenage years, I spent a lot of time laid in bed looking at the ceiling. Mm. But um, my family made beds and mattresses. So there was this sort of, at the heart of my being was this paradox that we sold sleep products and I couldn't sleep. Um, and I sort of went on a journey myself in terms of solving my own problem um, and getting better at it, you know, getting better sleep, getting better at it. Also, um, because of my product background, you know, my, 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 uh, my family made beds and mattresses. My, dad, my dad's uh, claim to fame is that he invented the cabin bed. So there is... There's, there's lots of that, that sort of that, that background of products in there. So I'm quite interested in how products and behaviours come together. Um, and when we talk about products, things in our environment come together to sort of help us sleep better. Um, I initially trained with a children's sleep charity, which is a charity that, that supports families whose children don't sleep. Um, I, I worked with them for about eight, nine years. Um, I led the largest teen sleep project in the UK. So we worked with two, about 2,000 teenagers, five schools, um, working within the existing parameters of the school day. There's a lot of stuff around should, should teens start later. Mm. But our attitude was, at the moment, starting when they're starting. So let's see if we can make it better. Um, and, and we did, you know, and a lot of the kids we were working with had been referred to CAMS and, and wondered mental health professionals. 
Um, and, and, a, and a lot of their, their feedback was, we're not, we're not depressed, we're just really tired. And I felt that because that was what I felt like. You know, mm. when, you go to a, when you go to a GP and you say, or, or historically when you went to a GP and said you didn't sleep well, it was seen as a symptom of depression, um, where we're now seeing sleep and sort of depression, insomnia and depression being co-occurring conditions. Mm-hmm. So you know, one can trigger the other, basically. Yeah. Um, I, I did some additional training with adults. Um, I, I've run a, a bed, I've run a bed retail, I've run an online sleep retailer. I have developed sleep products like mattresses, beds, duvets. I've developed sleep tech, um, a sleep medical device called Sleep Cogni, which is um, which is a, a device for diagnosing and treating sleep disorders. That's in, um, in sort of clinical trials at the moment. Um, I have worked with um, sports teams. So at the moment, I am leading a um, the first ever measured intervention for sports. So there's lots of stuff around how sleep impacts on sport, mm. but there's not much on on how do we actually improve the sleep of elite athletes um, and we're and with um, the advanced well-being research center which is based here in sheffield where i am okay I'm working, cool. I'm working with a professional football club how do we how do we sort of impact on those those individuals sleep um, and, and help them sleep better yeah. so I, I do a lot of sort of i work a lot with corporates so i, work, I go into companies talk about sleep um i work with families really i work cradle to grave and i work from products to behaviors so i'm i'm, a, I'm an old you would say my, my unfair advantage as a, as a practitioner is that i understand every aspect of sleep so you know, a lot of sleep experts, you'll see them give you a thumbs up with products that maybe, maybe the, the claims around its, its sleep uh, help is a bit dubious because I understand products, I understand sort of what they should be doing. Um, and they can have a massive impact, you know. After stress and anxiety, the biggest thing that impacts on our sleep is temperature. Um, and a lot of the products that we ha- that we sleep on and under actively, actually make us hotter. Yeah. Um, so they, so they, 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 they massively impact on our sleep. See a lot of sports people, you know, definitely sports people. They're told a certain sort of mattress or a certain duvet might help them sleep better, but actually, because of what it's made of, um, it actually for a lot of them makes them sleep worse. Yeah, and the interesting thing, not not to sort of go down this route from the off, but the interesting thing about that is a professional sports person is so much attention paid to every aspect of their well-being and therefore their performance, and yet they then get into a bed that might have been bought with someone else in mind, you know, so. The requirements of a sports person and their partner are going to be completely different potentially in terms of their sleep environment but it's the one thing that we have to compromise on right because you know our partner that we, sh- we most of us do share a bed might have completely different needs so the, the really the, the importance of sleep and the restorative nature of it can be compromised by who you're sharing the room with yeah no without doubt i think i think it's, i find it really interesting in sports work because often like beds aren't designed for for, for the, the, the size of athletes yeah you know when i'm working with, with professional footballers who are six foot four six foot five yeah a bed is six foot six and you know, the, lo- the lo- longest bed you can get really standard is six foot six mm. and that and that isn't long enough for a six foot five footballer mm. yet so you're asking what so what what do you do i sleep diagonally and that's not right that doesn't work <laughs> that doesn't work so they've got a partner in there with them so i think yeah, we, we, you know, with, with sports, you know, I know you work with, with sort of that, those sort of high performance people too. It's it's interesting because we talk about these sort of like marginal gains. You know, what, sleep is a, is not a marginal gain; it's yeah. a massive gain. Yeah, and we're not doing much about it. When I look at sort of our performance in 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 sports, was it last Olympics? We, we we did incredibly well. But imagine if we're doing sleep better. Yeah, I, I see I see sports teams signing sort of say sponsorship deals with with say mattress companies, and it's the same mattress. It's one mattress. Mm. For Every everyone. person in the sports team does not need the same mattress, yeah. and 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 it's it's a little bit scary. I see, um, I see sort of like the centres of excellence for sports 
we've just signed a deal with this this one mattress and it's a it's a product that that, it, that i know will actively make them warmer you know it, that, that is not going to help them sleep because mm. temperature is so important to a sleeping well you know, after stress anxiety is 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 the biggest thing that impacts on it but that's harder to control we can definitely get temperature right and we are definitely getting yeah. it wrong at the moment we are the, really getting it wrong right at the heart of the philosophy of what i do is is personalization Yes. So, you know, one mattress does not fit all, uh, one diet does not fit all. It's really about and at the elite level of, of both sports people and business performance. You've got the money to personalize it. So we'll try what some of what we're trying to bring on this show is that knowledge is to understand not only is it needs to be personal, but then how can you make that personal to you? Um, let's let's just take a step back. Later. I mean, what do we understand about sleep? Why do we sleep? So it's really interesting isn't it? because like actually sleep is a long way behind nutrition and exercise and it also is different because we can't force sleep so you know i i, I if i was a pt i could come and stand next to you and shout at you to do exercise and this sort of traditional model of a t- pt mm. you can't do you can't do that with sleep as a practitioner i can't make anyone sleep i can help them put in place the right conditions for sleep and that and, and particularly that thing you talked about the individual part of it understand who we are as sleepers that is the biggest thing we get wrong. We are often going to bed too early or too late for who we are as sleepers. Yeah. So, so it's, it's starting with that individual part of it. So, so why, why we sleep? You know, sleep is our recovery time. It's, it's what we need to do to, to recover from the day, the previous day. It's recovery in terms of physical recovery. So, you know, deep sleep is, is where I'm, uh, we, we, our growth hormone is released and where our muscles rejuvenate and that sort of thing. So we start the, the sort of the mental process of cleaning the brain. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and deep sleep is, is one part of non-REM sleep. There's three parts, and, and deep sleep is one part of it. And then we have sort of REM sleep, which is where it's more about emotional well-being. It's where we put into place the right, the right, you know, the, what's happened during the day. Where does that go emotionally? Where does the sort of the factual stuff go? Are, are we are we putting it? You know, are we remembering what we've done? Um, so it is part of that recovery process. There is also during the, the about four and a half hours, or four and a half hours in. Um, we have a, a, a sort of calcium wash in our brains because our brain is not part of the lymphatic system. Um, so, so it doesn't clean things away in the same way the rest of our body does. Um, it, it's called the lymphatic system. And that's quite new. That research is sort of 2012, 2013. Um, right. and we, and we're, not, we're understanding that process. We still don't quite understand it fully. Um, when you talk about sort of sleep in terms of, of what we understand, you think about it, we probably understand about 40% of, of, of our sleep and we probably don't understand about 60% of it. N1 and N2, we don't understand much about it. We understand mm. there's some sleep disorders in there, but we don't, you know, we don't know why we're doing it. Think of us as an animal. So when we evolved and we lived on the equator, we were probably asleep for about seven hours and we have predators. Why, as an animal, would we, we, we be prone and vulnerable for that amount of time? Mm. You know, so it, it's, it's, it's quite interesting sleep in that um, thinking changes all the time. You know, thinking is always changed on it. Um, and, and there's some great, great researchers out there doing lots and lots of amazing work, understanding like why we sleep. As a yeah. practitioner, what I do is sort of take that that sort of that high level um, research and try and make it relevant to normal people. So how do we understand it in a normal way, in a way that that, that we can then make decisions and changes to our behaviours? Yeah, I was listening to a podcast and I can't remember which one it was because I, I was actually doing a twenty mile training run for the London Marathon, running around Dorney Lake, and it was monotonous. And I just had these podcasts on a loop, but one of them suggested that. Um, yeah, and our ancestors would have just slept when they wanted to sleep, and as a result, the community, someone in the community, would have been awake all the time, yeah. keeping so the fire going, around that looking out. In, in, yeah, in, in our, in, we do. I think there's some research into that sort of looking at places where there's no electricity. Look at like sort of four or five people sitting in a tribe. Um, you, you, they will have a different sleep time, and the idea is that sort of 
from an evolution point of view, someone was awake at all times for predators and for looking after kids. Yeah. Which is quite, so when I work with, with people, this is anecdotal, this is definitely not sort of, I've not seen any research into this, but you often find people are attracted to the opposite sleep type. Um, <laughs> because if you think about looking after kids, mm. a, a night owl and a morning lark works better together than two night owls because someone, someone's awake. Now, this, this is undoubtedly anecdotal. And, and when, I, when, I, when I talk about it, I often suggest that if you've got the same sleep type as your partner, that might be a doomed relationship. I'm not saying that, definitely not saying that, but <laughs> but it, it, it is interesting. You know, I talk to hundreds of people who, 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 who about sleep every single every single month, going to organisations and talk to them, and it's really interesting how we're often attracted to the opposite kind of sleeper to us. You'll often get a good sleeper and a bad sleeper, you'll get a hot sleeper and a cold sleeper, you'll get a morning lark, you'll get a night owl. I find that really, really interesting. That is interesting, yeah. Yeah, and you can see why evolutionary that would be beneficial, and still could be. Um, I want to talk about the components of sleep. So REM sleep, you say, is, is, that's interesting you describe it as being key to emotional well-being. Is it possible to get too much REM sleep? Undoubtedly, undoubtedly. So I know, I think I think you're a fan of the Aura um, yeah. tracker. Yeah. yeah, I use an Aura that tracks your REM sleep, you know, when we look at it. And if you, what, what, I, what, I, what I, and although the Aura is very accurate, I like the Aura, it still isn't, the messages it gives out in terms of support often on 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 the greatest because they're not relevant to me as an individual. Yes. But but what you know if you look at that with no no idea of what REM sleep means or, or what it could signify and it says you've having seventy percent REM sleep you might think that you're doing really well there mm. but so, you know, a lot of REM sleep could be a, an early indicator of mental health issues really so I so know someone uh, well my partner actually um, often has up to 50 percent REM sleep like three hours now now if that's the, the, the difficulty is we're all different. So yeah. it, the, the, the good thing about the aura is it does build up your own individual data, doesn't it? So it's, yes. a, it's, a, it's an individual algorithm where a lot of trackers, they're a general population algorithm. And that's where you have a danger, where, where you're basing your, 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 your sort of health and well-being track, tracking on a general population. Mm. Um, so I, I, you've got to be a little bit wary of it. Again, I, it is that sort of difficulty. And you start wearing a tracker and it tells you you're getting 40% REM sleep. If that's what you've always got, then that might not be an issue. That yeah. might be, you know, you, you, you may be more stressed and anxious. I don't know if, you, if your partner is a, is a sort of a, a person who sometimes struggles with sleep. Um, you often do see that go hand in hand. Mm. Sort of poor sleepers um, maybe have a bit more REM sleep because they are, they are processing stuff. But we know with, with REM sleep, you know, the, the REM sleep is a part where we remember our dreams. Often if you've gone through bereavement, you know, that, that dreaming process is part of the bereavement process. Mm. You know, it's part of your, your brain working out what has happened. So it, it, it's, it's sometimes making these things more normal. That, that you know, that... That actually, yeah, REM sleep is is really important to emotional well-being, mm. um, and, and we need to start understanding that. You know, when we're working at high-performance um, individuals, often they'll really focus on deep sleep because that's about uh, physical rejuvenation. But also, the REM sleep is just as important because that's how, that's how they sort of uh, become more resilient in dealing with the, the, the stressful situations they're in. Yeah, so I find that I get a decent amount of deep sleep most nights, but REM sleep is often very low. Um, uh, yeah, that was interesting. So I, I'm the way around. Now, things that can impact on, on REM sleep, I have to, both stages of sleep, being wound down properly is very important. Mm -hmm. You know, having that hour routine. So the little things that, that we do, it's, it's not about massive changes. It could be, you might, as you go to bed, lock the door, put the dog out, put the dishwasher on, take your makeup off, brush your teeth, put your pajamas on, get into bed. By the time you've done all that, you're back awake. You might have felt sleepy, but by the time you've gone through that 20-minute process of, of doing other stuff, you are back awake, where actually do that an hour before bed, getting your gym jams, you're more likely to fall asleep because you can go sleepy, bed. Yeah. And, and, and it's, it's, it can be those little things, so making sure that routine winds you down, making sure you give that routine enough space, 
less sleep with a good wind down routine is better than more sleep without it. Yeah. You mentioned the London Marathon. Um, I've just got a thing in New Balance um, where we, we were talking about the, the, like, the variabilities of success um, and in the sleep bit. We, we're talking about quality is just as important as quantity, particularly where you're, you're, you've got a lot of training to do. So if you're, if you're sort of a semi-pro athlete or you're training something like London Marathon, you will often be sort of training in the morning, training at night. Hmm. And that can be very, very difficult. Um, and there's probably one you're more suited to. So you're probably better off loading your training at the one that suits your sleep type better. But also you've got to give sleep enough space. You know, there's no point training if, if you are then going to have very little sleep because you'll get injured. You know, yeah. in, the, in, the, in the month looking up to the marathon, the last thing you want to be doing is having lots and lots of niggly injuries. And those niggly injuries can often come by, by not giving sleep enough, enough priority in that, in, that, in that time. Yeah. So, but then with REM sleep, it is about sort of how we wind down. It's about when we wake up in the night, you know, making sure that if we're not asleep within 30 minutes of waking up, we get up and start again. Oh, really? Um, so make, you'd literally sure go through the sort of sit down, have 10, 15 minutes of quiet After 30 minutes, yeah. The bedroom becomes a prison when you're a poor sleeper. You sit in that room, there's a person next to you snoring away and, mm. and they are mocking you with their sleep <laughs> and you are you are trapped by your lack of sleep. Come out of the room, start the process again, listen to something. So maybe something, if you like music to relax, listen to some music. If you like spoken word, listen to some spoken word and just try and bring your heart rate down. Getting good sleep is about dropping heart rate, dropping core temperature. Mm-hmm. That leads to melatonin production. So if we are cool and we are relaxed, we are more likely to stay asleep Go, go to sleep and stay asleep. Sounds incredibly simple. <laughs> Poor sleepers know it's very difficult to achieve sometimes. So it is, it's looking at your pre-sleep routine. It's looking at how you respond to waking and night. With waking, we look at what is a trigger? What is causing you to wake? Can we address that? And then we're looking at how, how do we actually react to that trigger? So if you have a partner who snores, for example, getting angry about it will only make things worse. Mm. Trying to laugh it off, which can be difficult. <laughs> Is, is a lot better way of approaching it. And it's, it's yeah. interesting, you know, it's, it's, that, it's that poor REM sleep, uh, um, yeah, is often about the wind down process not being right. Maybe too much caffeine, for example. Um, over-exercise, the adrenaline's still there, you know, mm. making sure that the, that's that, because often you find when you, I'm sure you're going through at the moment, where you go to bed, you, you are physically tired, you will fall asleep fine. Most people I work with fall asleep with no problem whatsoever. Mm. The biggest problem I deal with, 62% of people I work with, they, they, they wake up and struggle to get back to sleep right. because they've not wound down properly. They've not wound down properly because they go to sleep fine. So they think, I don't need to wind down. I can sit on my phone until I go to bed. I can play Call of Duty until just before I go to bed. I can work. I can exercise because I fall asleep fine. And, and it isn't just about falling asleep. It's about staying asleep as well. Yeah. And what I find in the conversations I have is that people, we've become accustomed to a new normal, which is waking up a couple of times in the night, maybe wants to go to the loo, and getting slightly less than we'd like, but hey, we push on through, we power on through. Uh, and actually, people generally need more than they think. They don't recognise that getting up in the night to, to use the loo or struggling to get back to sleep or taking more than a quarter of an hour to fall asleep is a sleep disorder. They've just got used to it. It's normal for them. And hey, I get more than my mate down the road or I get more than my boss, he always looks knackered. We've just become accustomed to this new normal. Um, what I'm, I'm really enjoying at the moment is this, this, there's much more visibility on sleep, uh, I think Ariana Huffington's done some some good that stuff for trying to get rid of the machoism around sleep in the business world and say, oh, hey, wow. yeah, yeah. I, I have a big problem with that culture. Not, so, 0.5 percent of us need less than five hours sleep. 95 percent of business leaders believe that they are that 0.5 percent because they're yeah. superhuman. You know, you work <laughs> with people like, oh, that's definitely me. It isn't. You no, know, it isn't. Our bodies deal with it incredibly well. For 25 years, I didn't sleep. I I was an academy player at a professional football club in that time. You know, I went through university. I did amazing things without sleeping. 
that shows we can live without sleep, and that's that's some some of these some of the issues we have. Women trying to get the, the sort of the, the messages into society that sleep is important, they can then impact on people who are poor sleepers. Because if, for example, we say less than seven hours is going to kill you, then you end up with people who are poor sleepers actually worrying about the fact that they're getting less than seven hours mm. and they are likely to die. We've got to bear in mind that's general population data. We've also got to bear in mind that is that no, that there is correlation there. Causation is hard to prove, and mm. and there's so many variables in what kills us. That no, the, the, the general population data definitely shows that 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 less than you know if you look at less than six hours or more than nine hours can, can be bad for our health. Yeah. As an individual, that might not be you. And actually, sort of getting rid of that that overall general population data and focusing on who you are as a sleeper, you will, you'll get so much more from it and, and stop worrying about other people. Yeah. It's not something we can compete on. Working professional sports teams, they all start competing on the sleep. They really do. And that just makes it worse. I, I see that in the business world as well. You know, that competitive presenteeism. Well, hey, I'm good on five hours. I'm great on six hours. I don't need much sleep. But actually, I, I think most people need a little bit more than they're getting. Some oh, people guess. perhaps a bit less. I mean, there's another argument. If you're getting eight hours sleep a night, but you're actually good on seven, that's a lot of sleep. That's seven hours a week you're losing. And you yeah. times that part by, you know, 52 weeks a year. That's a lot of hours. Um, Let's talk a bit about how some of the things that people often do at the, the end of the day affect sleep. So alcohol, eating late, um, blue light would be three really obvious ones. Just talk a bit about those, if you will. So, so let's so we start with like alcohol as a sedative. So, you know, in the same way that sleeping pills, the same way that many drugs do, they will knock you out, but you're not getting sleep. Mm. So you look at the sort of sleep cycle of, of, a, of, a, of, a, of a night after heavy drink, it is sort of light sleep all the way across. You don't go into deep sleep, you don't go into REM sleep. If you wear an aura, you will know that from the nights you've been. Yeah. You've had some alcohol and how that impacts on your sleep. Yep. So you can have 12 hours of sleep and often a hangover, a lot of the hangover is actually you've not slept. So you, yeah. you are, sleep is an instinct, we need it. Air, water, food and sleep. So, so your body will try and get sleep where it can. Your body is always trying to help you when it comes to sleep. Your body thinks that you want to wake up at two o'clock in the morning and start worrying about that embarrassing thing you did in a pub eight years ago. That is your body thinking that's what you want to do. So your body is always trying to help you. So your body will try and get the sleep that you haven't got because you've, you've had some alcohol. And, that, and that's what a lot of a, you know, a hangover is. Eating late, the, the biggest problem with eating late is, is sort of that when you digest food, you have a, rise, a raising core temperature. So you sort of put yourself in a position where your body's still working. It's doing a daytime thing. So you're not going to fall asleep. So you'll find you'll, you, you, also you will fall asleep often but you, you're definitely not going to stay asleep. Um, and I think heavy meals can be a big issue. And the, the sort of meals and exercise are very similar in that it, it just, it has an impact on the body in a way that it makes the body think that, that daytime things are happening and, mm -hmm. and, and it's releasing daytime hormones and things like that. So it's, it's understanding that giving you enough time and, and the general rule is three hours, but it might be more for you, you know, it, it might be less. Um, it's like things like bath or showers. Bath or showers are great about half an hour before bed for most people. Because a bath or shower will raise your core temperature, step out of a bath or shower, drops your core temperature. Yeah. Some people get a bit giddy, a bit a bit more wired from a bath or shower, and those people shouldn't have a bath or shower. So it's sort of it's understanding how how this process works for you. Mm. So we look at yeah things like that. Blue light is a really really interesting one because we there's two systems that manage sleep: light dark when it's light we're awake, when it's dark we're asleep, and the internal clock. From the moment you wake up, you're building a pressure to sleep time because it's an instinct because we need it. The, 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 the mobile phone disrupts that, that process because it says to your body, you might be tired internally, but your external cue is telling you that it's daytime off your phone. Yeah. And there's a couple of different ways of handling it. You can stop using your phone. But as someone who, who deals in sort of changing behavior slightly, taking a phone away can cause the anxiety that leads to a rising heart rate, 
and therefore you're not going to fall asleep anyway. So I worked, the, the teenagers I worked with was an amazing project because what he did was teach me that I can't be prescriptive anymore. Because teenagers will lie and lie and lie. And they will tell you they're not losing, using their phone, and they are. And actually, not using their phone causes massive, massive um, anxiety for them. So what's what, what, what we have to do, we use things like screen protectors that take out the blue light mm-hmm. or, or more of the blue light. You can use the app on your phone, although you can often leave it looking orange, so you can't really use the phone. Well, I've heard um, as well that that, um, sorry to interrupt you, that night shift on Apple, for example, doesn't block out all the blue light. No, and, and nothing really blocks it all out. Right. You know, Not so even the glasses, the blue light blocking glasses? They block out 99%. Okay. Um, the thing is, it puts an orange tinge on the world, and it's yeah. whether you can, you can sort of stand that. So it's, it's often with people, it's sort of, sometimes it's like the best we can do, which might be a screen protector that, um, that maybe takes out 35 to 40% of the blue light, it might be night, night, um, night watch, which is a little bit less. Um, night shift option or F dot look on Android. Yeah. Or it might be the the, the orange glasses, which which do which do take out the blue light undoubtedly. Um, but but it puts an orange tint on the world. So if you're out and about, you might not want to wear them. Um, sometimes it can be a bit clunky looking. They are getting mm. better, definitely. Yeah. But I do like those kind of products. Cause I think th- they work with the real world. And actually, within tech, there's loads of stuff that can help us sleep. So you can get podcasts that are soporific and lull you into sleep. Calm and Headspace and apps like that, which yep. have guided meditations, amazing. Amazing, like, to help people have that dropping heart rate. Yeah. Um, you can, you can, you know, you can, you can, and then when, when you're watching things on TV, so I've just done a, um, I just did a, 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 a caravan show with a client, and we were talking to poor sleepers, so, so we're probably talking to people generally who were, who were a little bit older, and when you talk to people that age, you're talking about what, you know, what, what were they doing before bed? And a lot of the problems were watching things like Inspector Morse, watching um, Endeavour, watching Criminal Minds, because these things to your brain are work. You're ticking mm. over. Mm. So e- even if it's as simple as the one change you're going to make, is at the end of the night, rather than watching the lock step, you're going to watch something funny, or you're going to watch something inane. Um, the beauty of an aura ring is that I can track my sleep around certain TV viewing, and there's one program that I watch that that makes me sleep better than any other. Um, it's on a Sunday and a Wednesday. I don't know if you can guess what it is. Uh, I can't, no. The only way is this. <laughs> this is a perfect The only way, you cut out then, well. the only way is Essex. The only way is Essex. Because it's, I know what's going to happen. It's you know? funny and inane, yeah. Yes, funny and inane. So, and it's that sort of, what we do wrong is we say to ourselves, and, the, and some experts have put this, this idea out there, Right, I need to get up at six, so I need eight hours sleep. So I'm going to count that through my sleep cycles. Mm. And I'm going to I'm going to spend it at ten. If you're a night owl, the worst thing you can do is go to bed at ten. You are not sleeping, so mm. you will lay there tossing and turning. Your cortisol levels will rise. You won't fall asleep. You need. It's less important what time you go to bed. It's more important that you feel sleepy and that you fall asleep within half an hour. Mm. That's what's important. And then the thing we can control is waking up. So if you wake up at the same time every day, you create that routine that allows you feel sleepy pretty much at the same time as me, and therefore you're more likely to have better quality sleep so the quantity becomes less relevant and, and it isn't as focused on quantity mm. the thing we all do wrong is have a line at the weekend you know that that mm. is what kills our sleep we feel more tired at the weekends we will you can have an hour and a half you can have two hours your body can adjust to that the clock's changing we've just gone through the clock's changing i love it journalists get in touch with people say what should i do to help help myself with the clock, clock's changing it's an hour. Yeah. Your body can adjust to that. No problem. Yeah. No problem at all. It'll take a night. You maybe slept poorly on Sunday night. By Monday, you'll feel a lot better. Mm. The beauty of sleep is a poor night's sleep last night is the biggest tool to a good night's sleep tonight. 
sleep deprivation makes us sleep better. Mm. So if we can turn our brain off and not worry about our poor sleep, we are more likely to sleep better because yeah. of that poor sleep last night. So it's, it's quite it's quite interesting with those sorts of things. Hot weather is the same. Get loads of journalists when in, when we have a heat wave. What can we do to sleep better? And there's things you can do. You can you can put the, the bed in the fridge. You can do those sorts of things. But my overall message is suck it up. It'll last about three days. You'll get a bit worse sleep sleeping those nights. Is worrying about the fact you think you're going to be hot. That's what stops you sleeping. Yeah. I'm going to be hot tonight. I'm going to be hot tonight. I'm not going to sleep. I'm not going to sleep. That is what will make you not sleep. Yeah, that worry. The same way your partner's snoring next to you, that, that's what will stop you. That, that's what stops you sleeping. The same way that when your kids come in and wake you up, it's the anger at them that stops you sleeping. It's sort of it's how we react to the triggers that is often the issue. It's not necessarily the the, the triggers themselves. We can't always control them, but we can control our reaction to them. Yeah. I think I think it's exactly that. it's getting yourself into a parasympathetic dominant state where you're rested, heart rate is low, and that gives you the best possible opportunity. But um, cool, let's just talk. We've got a few minutes left. Um, sleep and Alzheimer's. We're getting more and more links between those two. Just um, tell me what you know about that. So the, the, the stuff we talked about, the lymphatic system, the uh, the, the calcium wash, yep. that is really important to things like Alzheimer's and dementia. Um, the way we understand it is you need to have a genetic predisposition to it. So mm. there has to be a genetic predisposition to, the, to it. The lack of sleep will maybe speed it up. That, that, in simplest terms, that's what sleep does. A, a lack of the sleep you need, I've I, I listened to a podcast where someone, a sleep researcher said, whatever's gonna kill you will kill you quicker if you're not sleep, getting the sleep you need. And right. that probably yeah. sums it up perfectly. You know, that is, so, so we've all got a genetic predisposition to a certain conditions and things like that. A lack of sleep will make that work, and, and in, incredibly important to Alzheimer's and, and dementia. You know, it, it, is, it is probably more so because sleep is important to cleaning the brain in that way. So it is, yeah. there is there is definitely a strong connection. Like I said, the, we didn't even know about this calcium wash until until um, until sort of th three, four, five years ago. The, the re people are researching all the time. It's, it's a little bit more complicated than that. In the simplest terms, it is just sort of our brain gets washed out mm. roughly after about four, four and a half hours sleep. There is there is different arguments for that. Some people say six. Um, some people say um, you need good quality sleep. If it happens. Some people say it, it can happen with interrupted sleep. It's these sort because of, all the research is actually. Um, I think all the, the original research was on mice. I'm pretty certain there's not been much on on, on humans yet. So right. it's one of those things where, as in all these, people are not not agreeing at the moment. But I would say base level, get your sleep needs will mean that you're less likely to get it if there's a genetic predisposition. Okay, so I've, I've gone through a test called 23andMe, which I will link to yep. in the show notes. Have you done that? I haven't. I'm a, I'm a little bit worried too. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I did because I thought, do we want to integrate this into the, in the Body Shop products? Um, and I don't have the genetic predisposition towards Alzheimer's, which yeah. is reassuring. I'd like to think if I did have it, it wouldn't freak me out and I just keep doing what I'm doing because I now have a pretty clean lifestyle. It's not 100%. But um, I'll link to that test as well. It's called 23andMe. But that will, if anyone's listening in and they're wondering how you can get tested for the, whether or not you have a genetic predisposition towards Alzheimer's, that's the one that I was thinking of. Um, uh, just out of interest, did you have a, a family background of it all? No. And I think that's often the thing with genetic stuff. I find it really easy to find out about genetics by looking at your family backgrounds. And I yeah, think that's sometimes that's always a good starting point. You know, if there is a, if there's a, if there is a history of it, that, then, then yeah, let's start looking into it. It's like with poor sleep, you know, my, my morning lark, my grandpa was a morning lark, who I am as a sleeper. 
I don't need to immediately do a chronotype test because I can look at my own family background. Mm. Um, with our children, I do a lot with kids. We often want our kids to be like this, this vassal and be a sleeper that we want them to be. We want them to go to bed at seven and wake up at seven and we get a nice 12 hours with, with no interruption. But if one of the parents is a poor sleeper, they're probably going to be a poor sleeper mm. or, or, or more likely to be a poor sleeper. So, you know, I, I work a lot with parents be like, are you a night owl? Yeah. So your child goes to bed at seven and they're not falling asleep till half nine and it's a real stressful two and a half hours. Let's let's think about what time they're going to bed. They might be going to bed a little bit too early. Yeah. Um, a little bit, yeah. And it's, and it's not always, as a, as a morning lock, I sometimes, you know, I can go to bed. If I miss my time to go to bed, I don't just carry on feeling tired. My body thinks, well, why is James awake at half ten? This is not normal. Mm. Maybe we're about to partay. <laughs> I need to help him in that. Give me adrenaline. And then I then have to wait till like 12, 1 o'clock for it to for it to calm down. So it's 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 not as what what your sleep type is, what your what your circadian rhythm is, your chronotype. It's not just about sleep; it's about lots and lots of things. Yeah. I tell you what, I'd like to you know, see. I know, um, I know you, you but it yeah. is it is isn't it? It's like it's it's about the best opportunity to get sleep. It's not about there's a magic switch yeah. and a magic time. It's there's a little there's a window for you. And, and it's understanding that window and trying to go with it as much as possible. Yeah. I'm sure you agree. Going with your body's natural rhythms is far easier than trying yep. to fight them. Absolutely, yeah. I, I completely agree. I mean, that's, that's where genetic testing can help you, you know, work with your genes, not against them. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, I think the, the big takeaway from all of this is that sleep is very personal and we can control it to a large degree because we can control to a degree our mental state as we prepare for bed. We can do trial and error, go to bed at 10 and get your seven hours if that's what you think or your seven, uh, five sleep cycles uh, and see how you feel when you wake up. Track it. Most people, if they're interested in playing with sleep, have probably not slept well for years. So maybe you just dedicate the next three months to trying different stuff, going to bed later, waking up later, consistent wake time, um, having a bath 30 minutes before bed, knots, and, and just, just play around, take some notes, see what works for you. Um, Undoubtedly. But James, that's been brilliant. I've really enjoyed, enjoyed that as well. Um, what just what are a few of your own personal best practices to ensure a relatively good night's sleep? You, you just dropped out a little bit then, Leah. Just just repeat that again. Yeah. What what are your some of your your own personal best practices for trying to get the best night's sleep? Temperature is really important. You know, really the the, the the space between the duvet and the mattress should be twenty seven to twenty nine degrees Celsius. We we all most of us sleep a lot hotter than that. Mm. So it's making the room. You walk into the room, it should feel cooler. You know, and so whatever, whatever. If you if you are a bit of a you know a person who likes it warm, that's fine. But that room should feel cool, cooler. I think you should have the, the heating on in the bedroom. Um, mm. This time of year, I deal more with temperature fluctuations and temperature issues than I do in the summer because it's more inconsistent. So yeah. temp, you know, temperature is incredibly important, and that, and that is, is is a starting point for me. Making sure your mattress doesn't make you too hot. Making sure you do it. Things like foam, latex. They will make claims that this foam magically manages your body temperature. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't have little bits of metal in that feel cool when you go to bed and the heat up during the night. A foam is an innate thing. It can't actively do anything. It doesn't know your club temperature. It, you know, springs and, and natural fillings are great for temperature regulation. And, and if, you, if you have issues with, with temperature, that's the way you should be looking. I think that our routine, making sure that you're winding down before bed, thinking about what you're watching on TV, thinking about are you ready for sleep? As you start that routine, are you dressed for sleep? Have you done all the things you need to do? Is the door locked? Do you feel secure? Because sleeping well, that, that drop in heart rate comes from emotional security. Mm. Do you feel secure in your environment? Is your room tidy? Is there a pile of car boot sale stuff waiting to go to the car boot in the corner of the room? Have you got a bed? You know, I've worked with people for weeks where I'm still not sleeping. I'm still not sleeping. Then you find out they haven't got a bed. They've got a mattress on the floor, and it's not a room which is conducive to sleep. Yeah. Now, 
with kids. I've worked with kids where they've got six foot high pepper pigs on the wall. Pepper pig is a lovely little cute thing, but six foot high pepper pigs in the middle of the night, they're scary. Yeah. You know, so it's sort of it's, it's looking at that environment, making sure you feel secure in it, making sure the temperature's right, making sure your wind down's okay, and understand your sleep. So don't go to bed. If you're not falling asleep within half an hour, you're probably going to bed too early. Mm. If if you if you are falling asleep really, really quickly, you're going to be hitting the pillow you sleep, you're going to bed a little bit too late. And most importantly, wake up at the same time every day or as close to as you can. So an hour and a half lane is fine. But but the thing we do, that four, five, six hour lane we have at the weekend, it's like going to Dubai with none of the benefits and all of the downsides. You have got <laughs> social jet lag. Yeah. So if you're going to start with anything, start with the wake up time, buy a sunshine alarm clock that wake you up with the daylight. Amazing. Lots and lots of daylight during the day. Get, get your rhythm right. Get your food intake right. Get your water, your hydration right at the right times for you. If you're napping and you aren't sleeping at night, then stop napping. You know, don't nap after two. Make sure you nap lasts less than 30 minutes. It's, it's, it but understand you as a sleeper. If you, like the things where I do these talk, when we talk about sleep, if you're doing something I say to people don't do and you sleep well, that's great. I don't, I don't mind. You know, it's not, it's not about, it's not about sort of everyone has to do the same thing. It's about understanding our own sleep and getting into a routine that works for us. Yeah, brilliant. Thank you so much for your time, James. Um, your you. website is thesleepgeek.co.uk, I believe. That's it. What are your social media links? And I'll, I'll put I those am, in the show notes. I am absolutely geek on most social media. Um, the Sleep the Geek. geek. Um, I'm, and, I'm, yeah, and on LinkedIn, I am James Wilson Sleep. Um, okay. And I'm also, I did do a TV program for Channel 4 called Secrets of Sleep. That is back on 4OD. Um, the best episode is episode three because I'm in that one the most. Okay, episode three, and that's on four on demand. I will link to that and everything that we've talked about. I'll try and dig out the research as well on the calcium washing, um, but I'll link to, to all of that, uh, plus your social media links. And uh, keep in touch. It's been really interesting. I thank you very yeah, much definitely. for your time. No problem. Thank you. Interested in finding out what your health IQ is? Jump on our website, bodyshopperformance.com, and click on Take the Test and it'll take you through to a very short two to three minute health IQ test. At the end of that, you'll get a scorecard based on your results and a free 39 page report built all around our six signals, which are sleep, mental health, energy, body composition, digestion, and fitness. So jump on the website, bodyshopperformance.com and take our test. Finally, thanks for listening to this show. And if you've enjoyed what you've heard and it's added value to you, share the episode uh, with someone you think could benefit from it. And don't forget to leave a rating, a review and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Thanks for listening.